Today's scripture test has guided our annual appeal and the theme of our program year, Be, Connect, Engage, from the third chapter of the letter to the Colossians, verse 12 through 17. As God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bear with one another, and if anyone has a complaint against another, forgive each other. For just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in the one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Teach and admonish one another in all wisdom. And with gratitude in your hearts, sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Here ends the reading. These words are a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Amen. I had never considered God the great fashion designer. I love fashion and clothing, the creativity and the innovation, the imagination and the originality that gives them birth. I celebrate the exquisite beauty of the universe and nature, the creator's model and design with magnificent colors and textures. But I never thought of God as a fashion designer until this last week. And since then, I've wondered why God isn't the great designer of fashion and style as well. The creator and creativity itself, the one who touches all with beauty and elegance, and why fashion and clothing are considered trivial, vain, inconsequential, why the beauty of design or fashion is not celebrated, as is the design and beauty in a piece of art, music, a painting, and so on. Now, of course, not all fashion is beautiful. Fashion is not synonymous with beauty. Yet, when I ponder nature, its magnificence and splendor, I cannot but think of the one who fashioned it designed it. Didn't the same creator also design the clothing of leaves for Adam and Eve in the second chapter of Genesis? In fact, the biblical story has a surprising amount to say about clothing. In the second chapter of Genesis, we meet God who clothes Adam and Eve with leaves. A few chapters later, we meet Joseph whose father makes him or gives him a long-sleeved robe, a colorful one. Then we meet Queen Esther, who dressed up and won a beauty contest to rescue her people from danger. And then in Exodus 28 and 29, two full chapters are instructions to priests about what they should wear and what their priestly garb should look like. And here is what it says. The vestments will consist of breastpiece, 
an ephod, a robe, a checkered tunic, a turban, a sash with bells hanging on them. All made of gold, blue, purple, crimson yarns and fine linen. So the instructions are elaborate. They give the wearer, it says, dignity and honor. And then the superwoman in Proverbs 31 dresses her household in scarlet. Job puts on righteousness like clothing and justice as a headwear. Isaiah rejoices because God has clothed him in garments of salvation and robes of righteousness. Revelation tells us about the saints of God who are clothed in fine linen, bright and clean. And of course, baby Jesus was wrapped in swaddling cloth. So the adult Jesus appeared in clothing of dazzling white. So is there any doubt that God is a fashion designer and the biblical story embraces this festive, fine, elaborate attire? Is God the architect and author of beauty and design? Well, God's design of the landscape of the earth takes our breath away sometimes. Creativity and beauty in the endless variety of flowers and peacocks, trees and leopards and bees blows, uh, blows us away. So much so that we make clothing out of leopard skin, zebra's coating. So could it be that because we consider clothing mundane and unimportant, we cannot connect them with God's creativity, imagination, originality. Now, I grew up in a culture that considered clothing a matter of respect. Older cultures seem to perceive that one wears in the context of respect for the person who's wearing them and for the person who's being met and addressed. Hence, appropriate and graceful clothing is a sign of respect for self and the other. I can still hear my mother say, why did they come in that dress to meet us? Don't they have any respect for us? In that part of the world, clothing also signifies identity. As in biblical times and to this day, sometimes we identify as one ethnicity, cultural or sexual identity by their attire. The salwar kameez, the sari, the kimono, the hijab, the dashiki, the abaya, all tell us of the wearer's identity or what they identify with. So to this day, respect and identity define my understanding of what I wear. And you know that I wear Middle Eastern garb when I lead worship to remind me of my roots. And I cannot tell you how often people ask me, why are you so dressed up? <laughs> In our reading today, the Apostle Paul addresses the new church of Colossae in a similar manner when he says, clothe yourselves with love. It seems in this new church, there were false teachers who professed to have superior knowledge on divine matters. 
So Paul warns the new Christians against such teachers, admonishing them that for new Christians, it is about reflecting the living Christ by clothing oneself with love, by putting on compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, and bearing with one another, forgiving each other, all this to reflect the Christ whom we know as love. So in calling for this new way of living, Paul does not emphasize a new set of rules or a new philosophy of life. He simply points to Christ, whom we define as love. And using the imagery of putting on clothes, he encourages the practice of wearing love, which reflects Christ, the wearer's identity. Basically saying, if you are going to be Christ's light in the world, then dress for the job. So what are you wearing today? I believe there are all kinds of attires in the sanctuary today. During this season of Thanksgiving and Christmas, Many of us wear stress and anxiety, tension and worry. Others begin to wear gratitude and thanksgiving, joy and anticipation. Still others wear grief and pain of loss, cautious expectation, apprehension perhaps. All these layers of clothing not only come with the season, but also with our life at First Congregational, as we anticipate, prepare, not only for Christmas, but also for a new beginning with a new lead minister on January 1st. And new beginnings always mean change. A goodbye and a hello. The cliche life is change is true, I think. The cliché, people don't like change, is not always true, in my opinion. Because I feel the excitement about new beginning and the future of FCC. I celebrate that anticipation and the joy. I also feel a bit of the strain saying another goodbye. Yet we humans are used to change. In our world, we have nothing but change. We live increasingly in a faster pace. And the fact that we are here this morning means that we are able to adapt and learn and grow and adjust to all the changes and all the transitions in our lives, sometimes better than others, but we do. I also think that we humans do not like what we humans do not like is not necessarily change itself, but what accompanies it, a sense of loss. Because change takes away what we loved, in which we found meaning, that which is familiar and therefore comfortable. Change replaces the known with the unknown, and that makes us feel vulnerable, anxious. So we put on and we wear apprehension and doubt, anxiety and unease, without realizing that, yes, everything changes, 
But really, nothing ever changes. One of the paradoxes of life. And life changes, but life also endures. We fuss about change, forgetting that life is enduring, constant, abiding. As the author of Ecclesiastes states, there is nothing new under the sun. My image of constant and enduring is often the rock, a large mass of mineral material that seems, uh, that, that seems firm and durable and unchanging. And perhaps that is why the psalmist called God my rock and my fortress, the one in whom I trust. And although from ancient times rocks have signified permanence and stability and durability, they too go through cycles of change through thousands of years. So even the rock, which symbolizes permanence and durability, isn't really that permanent as it changes, shifts, reshapes, albeit at a slow pace. So even the enduring seems changing. For life is about movement, and that which does not move or change is basically dead. And enduring and unchanging are not synonymous. The enduring exists. I believe the unchanging does not. So what are you wearing today? Love that endures and strengthens us? Or fashion fads that pass away and are insignificant? Just like a rock, love endures. The Apostle Paul knows what he was talking about. Not only love is beautiful, it is also enduring. And perhaps it is beautiful because it is enduring. So wear love that is enduring, and it will give you the courage and the strength. Loving relationships that enrich our lives and give us strength endure even when they change and shift. Compassion and kindness, humility and forgiveness that give us courage, heal our hearts, and endure even when they mature and grow. Generous giving and faithful service enhance our lives and endure even if they change form. Traditions that are meaningful and living endure even if they shift and incorporate some innovation. I think of our most popular tradition at FCC, the Christmas mystery, which has endured 106 years, I believe. Yet last year, for the first time, the angels included transgendered youth. How wonderful. A tradition that is living. Celebration of who we are. It brings meaning to our day. Love endures, and love makes the best of fashion design. Love is God's best fashion design. For it is beautiful, it is extravagant, creative and generative, open and giving, patient and kind, sharing and healing, grateful and gracious. Love is the most beautiful, elegant fashion to wear. 
It is not a fad, yet even love changes and takes on different forms. Generally, love means compassion, kindness, standing in another's shoes, giving and forgiving. And sometimes love means what we call tough love, standing firm in another's, for another's good, speaking our truth, if, even if it's not welcomed, resistance when it is not popular. Love grows, love changes from new young love to mature, seasoned, and rooted love. It endures. And here at FCC, love endures as we clothe ourselves in it, as we share it, as we express it in the gifts that we give and share. So this past week, I read some of the gift tags in which you had written and put in the offering plate. And I was struck by the fashion design beauty of them all and their endurance. Some of the gifts we wear around here are friendship, encouragement, a voice to create change, to facilitate, lead growth, cultivate, helper, teacher, caregiver, leader, one who laughs and serves, sings and spreads joy, a mentor and empathizer, one who decorates with color and glitter, one who shows up, one who appreciates the sacred space, one who listens and questions, one who works for justice, offers hospitality, one who ushers with a welcoming heart, one who maintains and improves the church building, one who has ability to see the possibilities, one who gives money and serves and sings. So you can see what a fashionable place FCC is. Through the love that we wear, the gifts that we share, and the harmony we create, as we continue to shine Christ's light, reflecting who we are, wearing love and compassion in the city in which we live and beyond. So yes, God cares about what we wear. Circumstances may change, but the love, the mission, the vision that are here do not. They are the best fashion design. And for all these gifts, for all the love shared, we cannot but be grateful, for we are always the recipients of God's grace.